Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cult, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. In 1952, there was a record high of UFOs reported. 1,500 sightings. There has been evidence of human sacrifice, devil worship, and it is haunted by more spirits than can be counted. A family of two adults and two kids reportedly saw a giant flying thing with glowing red eyes. And meanwhile, the family's nanny that helped Veronica to care for her and Lucian's children was found bludgeoned to death in the basement of their family home. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and Uncorked. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kadra, and I'm so excited you guys are here joining me for another wild and crazy story. This one... I don't even know what to call this one. It's one of the weirdest stories I have ever heard. And as you all know, I hate clowns. Um, I mentioned that in my mass hysteria episode with the 2016 clown sighting panic and how much that terrified me. So uh, this story is hilarious, but also very upsetting because it involves a potential clown, but you'll see. Uh, Before we get into that, as always, as we are at the top of the show, housekeeping things. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you haven't done so yet, please take two seconds and hit the star rating option. Leave a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like the videos. It really does help so much. You can also keep up with when new episodes have been released by doing so. Um, And on podcast platforms, you can hit the follow button. It helps so, so much. It helps boost the podcast up the algorithms so I can get these stories to more people. I don't know why that that's how it works, um, but it does. So thank you in advance for that. Also, I mentioned this last week, but I now have merch on Bonfire, tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and now I have coffee mugs as well in two different designs. So if you haven't bought merch yet and that interests you, you can check the link in the episode description. And thank you so much to people who have already bought merch. That is so cool. Um, I ordered my merch like a day or two before you guys did, and my merch is supposed to come, I think, on Monday, and today is Saturday, so you guys should be starting to get that first round of merch around the time that this episode drops, so when you do get your merch, take a photo in it, tag me on Instagram at Perplexity Mystery Podcast. I would love to see you guys in your merch. And I'll be sure to wear mine in next week's episode. And for any other ways to support the podcast, like my buy me a coffee link, so on and so forth, you can always check those links out in the episode description or on my flow code link. Um, and you can always request topics or share crazy stories with me at perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Also wanted to make a quick shout out to Lithuania because I have some new listeners there. So hello and thank you so much for checking out Perplexity. It means the world. Trigger warning for today's episode. We will be discussing... Again, I'm not even really sure what to say here. Um, But it 
it might be upsetting to you. It, it's a creepy, disturbing, just, you'll see. Um, listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. And sources for today's episode will be available in the show notes. the British UFO Research Association Journal published a very strange report. And this is that story. One Tuesday afternoon in May of 1973, near Lake Common in Sandown, Isle of Wight, UK, two children were enjoying the beach, exploring on a family vacation. And the children were a girl named Faye, age seven, and a boy around her age that has been left unnamed for reasons unknown. The children were exploring on this nice summer day, and they eventually found their way to the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Club near the airport. There was lush green grass and a lot of wide open space for children to you know, run, skip, roll around, play tag, as they do. But just as the children had found a new play area, they began to hear something strange. A weird wailing noise similar to a siren on an ambulance. After processing the sound for a few moments, the children naturally became intrigued, and they began to follow the source of the sound. After following the shrieking noise for a while, they arrived at a small clearing. But then the sound ceased. The children, being children, continued to explore and play. They soon came across a small footbridge that went across a bubbling brook. But this is when they discovered they were not alone. This is when the story takes a turn. A three-fingered hand wearing a blue glove emerged from underneath this wooden footbridge. This figure also had a book in its hand, and the children must have startled this mysterious figure because it dropped its book into the water, and then it had to quickly retrieve it. The figure then hopped away from the children with its knees raised high, and entered some type of metal hut with no windows. The children, being curious, inched closer to this strange metal hut, and the figure reappeared. This time, they saw a black knobbed microphone in the figure's hand, and the siren noise started back up again. The children Startled, ran a dozen or so yards away, and the boy was quite terrified. But the girl, Faye, continued to be curious. They stood there for a moment, and the noise stopped again. Then, the figure spoke into the microphone, saying, Hello, are you still there? (laughs) The kids slowly returned towards the figure, And this is when they saw it. The figure was about seven feet tall, with two arms, two legs, and identifiable facial features that seemed to resemble a scarecrow. Two triangular markings for eyes, a brown square nose, 
paper white cheeks, and yellow oval-shaped lips that were motionless when the figure spoke. He had no neck. A yellow pointed hat sat on top of its perfectly spherical head, and frizzy reddish-brown hair poked out from underneath. Protruding from the hat were two wooden antennae. Wooden antennae also protruded from the figure's wrists and ankles. Wooden slats poked out from his sleeves and from below his white trousers. The figure also only had three digits on each hand and foot. This figure seemed to resemble some type of mixture between an alien, a clown, and a robot. And at this point, you're probably thinking, sorry, what the hell is going on? Is this a made-up nursery rhyme? Is this a story to deter children from going outside? I wish it was, <laughs> but this is published in a UFO journal. Um, it is a thing of nightmares, to say the least. This figure also had a pretty interesting outfit, and this is more of where the nickname Sam the Sundown Clown comes from. It wore a green tunic with a red collar, blue gloves, frilly trousers, and sleeves. Its feet were bare, and upon closer inspection, the children noticed that its clothing was ragged and torn. As the figure got closer to the children, they saw it was holding a notebook. In this notebook, the figure wrote a message. With large letters, it said, Hello, and I'm all colors, Sam. Pointing to each word in order, which Faye read aloud. Faye and the boy noticed that Sam hadn't written the words, though, in the correct order. The children then asked Sam about his ragged clothes, and he explained those were the only clothes that he possessed. Sam was also able to speak to the children without his microphone, but when he did so, his mouth remained motionless. The children would later say this made him very difficult to understand, but they still could. Perhaps a form of telepathy? The children also weren't sure how they came to learn so many different things about Sam. But one of the things they learned was that he had the power of omnilingualism, or the ability to understand all languages. He was also able to teleport. He then invited the children into his metal hut, and they went inside by crawling through a small flap. And this is giving It movie vibes? Like, you really think it's going to take a creepy turn here, right? Sam then removed his hat, revealing round white ears and sparse brown hair. The metal hut had two levels, with wallpapered blue and green walls, covered with a pattern of dials, metallic flooring, and pretty plain furniture. A set of wooden chairs and a wooden table, an electric heater, and nothing else other than some papers, pencils, and books. He also hinted to the children that he had another camp closer to the mainland, but he didn't tell them where. 
Sam was incredibly timid and friendly and spoke very kindly to the children. He told the children he'd been getting his water from the nearby brook, which he would clean first so that it would be safe to drink. And he had been eating wild berries from nearby bushes that he collected during the late afternoon. Then Sam showed the children how he ate these berries. He didn't just pop them into his mouth and chew them up, okay? He would put a berry in his ear, then thrust his head forward and move the berry back and forth between his eyes. And the children said you could see the berry moving from behind his eyes. And then, after doing this back and forth motion between his eyes, the berry would eventually travel into his mouth and then he could swallow it. Just the weirdest thing ever. He also demonstrated extreme flexibility when he would contort his body to crawl out of a hole in the ground. Despite these creepy abilities, Sam continued with a kind and timid demeanor. He also admitted to the children that he was afraid of humans, to the point where if someone were to attack him, he would not fight back. Given his skin was very oddly pale, the children began to ask him questions about what exactly he was. First, they asked Sam if he was a human, and he said he was not. Then, they asked him if he was a ghost, and he replied, Well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. Then, the children asked, Well, what are you then? And Sam simply replied, You know. So, Sam may be nice, but he's quite cryptic. He then drew a sketch of another figure like him and implied that there were others in the world like him. While he had already introduced himself as Sam, he also told the children he didn't really have a name. So the children continued to spend time with Sam for about a half an hour, and then the children decided it was probably time they should return back to their families. They told the first man they saw that they had just seen a ghost. And Faye would later tell her father of what had happened a few weeks later. This would be on June 2nd, 1973. In the UFO journal, they refer to Faye's father as Mr. Y. Mr. Y quickly noticed how detailed his daughter's description was of Sam, and he became concerned. It'd be one thing if she told him some silly story without lack of detail, but her story flowed, and she described this figure to the T. She also was very insistent on what she had seen, despite Mr. Y's confused demeanor. So Mr. Y verified this story with the boy that Faye had been with as well. And then Mr. Y thought perhaps this was some type of shared hallucination or a person that was dressed up and just being creepy in the woods. But Mr. Y had also had some strange experiences with the unknown. It turns out three years earlier, on a Tuesday, October 20th of 1970, Mr. Y was on the Isle of Wight driving towards St. Helens to visit a friend. He saw a large multi-lit 
what he described as an aircraft, and this appeared in the sky on his right-hand side. The aircraft flew low along the river Yar. He pulled over when he saw this, and he was able to see more details, which he described as, quote, a wide ring of seven or more lights, each of them a large and clearly defined sphere, like a bright red cherry, and interspersed with a turquoise and white light, no sound could be heard, end quote. When Mr. Y began to drive again, the object continued to fly parallel to his vehicle. The object eventually flew behind the car and began to slowly rotate. And I'm not sure why he did this, but at this point, Mr. Y stopped his car again and started to signal the aircraft. I don't know if this was to try to get it to land or get its attention, but he tried to communicate with whatever this aircraft was. The aircraft followed him all the way to his friend's house, where his friend also verified witnessing this object. His friend said it was like the object was playing hide and seek between the treetops. The object was gone later that night. But after that, Mr. Y reported he would occasionally see single balls of red light in the sky. These lights would hang stationary or sometimes they would move and follow him. Then, on March 1st, 1972, between 9 and 10 p.m., Mr. Y had another strange experience. He was sitting on the cliffside at Compton Bay when he saw two yellow lights peering up at him like the eyes of some horrible sea monster just below the water's surface. Mr. Y would tell the Bufora Journal, quote, I get the impression that Faye was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality created by this strange personage. He told them he had just made the hut. Also, Faye told me that while they were talking to this ghost, quote-unquote, two workmen nearby were repairing a post, and they paid no attention to the weird charade, as though they could not see it, end quote. Mr. Y also later visited the same area where Faye had claimed to meet Sam, and no sign of Sam or his metal hut was found. So, could Mr. Y's strange experiences perhaps be linked to his daughter Faye's experiences? As both of the children grew up, they continued to insist this was all true, and they never admitted to this ever being fake or some type of hoax. So let's get into some theories as to who Sam could have been. So some people, of course, believe he was just a human in some sort of costume or perhaps a person down on their luck. Maybe they had lost their home, were surviving off the land. I like to think of it as maybe someone who had worked at a carnival and lost their job, (laughs) maybe worked as a clown, and they had their old clown outfit on. Who knows? Perhaps it was someone dealing with alcohol or drug abuse issues or mental health issues, which could explain the eccentric behavior and ragged appearance. Other people believe it could have been a ghost or some type of fairy or other supernatural being. There are also some who say he was a robot. Others say he was an extraterrestrial being like an alien, which could explain Mr. Y's strange encounters with what seemed to be UFOs. And of course, there are some 
who say this was all some type of big hoax or prank that the children pulled, because of course children can have wild imaginations, or perhaps it was a shared delusion. In fact, there was no proof that Sam had ever been there, no sign of a metal hut, and it's not like we hear these descriptions of these types of sightings often. So can anyone verify this? Or perhaps something traumatic happened to the kids that day, and Sam is a character they created as a coping mechanism. But there is an interesting theory that all colors Sam could have been a man in black. Now stay with me here. For comparison, there is another story from September 11th, 1976, and this came from a doctor named Dr. Herbert Hopkins. Hopkins was a family physician, and he was in his home in Maine conducting research on a UFO incident when he had a strange visitor that he described as follows. See if you notice some similarities. Quote, This character was bald as an egg. He didn't even have eyebrows or eyelashes. It looked like he had smooth plastic skin like a doll, except that it was dead white in color. His lips were a brilliant ruby red, and he spoke in an expressionless, monotone scanning speech. He constructed no phrases and sentences, just a sequence of words evenly spaced. His voice was completely passive with no inflection or intonation, as if you were hearing it from a machine that could talk. Then I could see that his mouth was a perfectly straight slit. Apparently, he did not have what we call lips, so the lipstick was put on as a decoy. His mouth was more like a ventriloquist dummy, end quote. So I do find it interesting that Dr. Hopkins' description definitely shares some similarities to Faye's. The paleness of the skin, the motionless false lips, the perfectly round head and smooth skin, the strange voice. There are definitely some similarities here. And while we will likely never know what Sam the Sundown Clown was, or if he was even real at all, or if there are others out there like him, this story is certainly perplexing. And that is the story of Sam the Sundown Clown, also known as All Colors Sam. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, tell a couple of your friends about it. Tell the world. Get on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Or if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. And if you have topic requests or you want to share a crazy story of your own with me that I would love to read on the podcast, you can always email me at perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for ways to support the podcast and keep in contact with me. And don't forget, if you want merch, go get your merch on Bonfire now. Check out the episode description link. Thank you guys so much for listening to this horrifying and weird story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys have an awesome week. Be sure to tune in next week. I will be having on my second guest and it's going to be a lot of fun. Bye.